to let me know Should I stay or should I go If you say that you are mine I'll be here till the end of time So you got to let me know Should I stay or should I go It's always tease, tease, tease You're happy when I'm on my knees One day is fine, the next is black So if you want me off your back Well come on and let me know Should I stay or should I go Should I stay or should I go now Should I stay or should I go Decisions bugging me. If you don't want me, set me free. Exactly whom I'm supposed to be. Don't you know which clothes even fit me? Come on and let me know. Should I cool it or should I blow? Hello everyone, my name is Simon Carver and welcome to Dagnall Street Baptist Church's podcast service for Sunday the 18th of December. This Sunday is the fourth in Advent and today we finally move to the Christmas story, or at least as we read about it from Joseph's point of view. We began and we will end with a song about making decisions, something that Joseph faced. Some notices. We have two on-site services today, our regular 10.30 service in which we'll be lighting our four Advent candles, In the evening at 6.30pm we'll have our annual service of readings and carols by candlelight. Both of these services are important in the life of our church but I would particularly encourage you to come to the carol service in the evening. This will be the last podcast of 2022 and the next podcast will come on 8th of January next year. There will be midday prayers and communion on Wednesday this coming week, Wednesday the 21st, but not on the 28th of December. Next Sunday is Christmas Day and we'll be meeting for a family service of worship at the slightly earlier time of 10.15. 
The following week is New Year's Day and we'll be meeting for worship at our normal time of 10.30. And now here is our call to prayer. Please listen, O Shepherd of Israel, you who lead Joseph's descendants like a flock. O God enthroned above the cherubim, display your radiant glory to Ephraim, Benjamin and Manasseh. Show us your mighty power, come to rescue us. Turn us again to yourself, O God. Make your face shine down upon us. Only then will we be saved. O Lord God of heaven's armies, how long will you be angry with our prayers? You have fed us with sorrow and made us drink tears by the bucketful. You have made us the scorn of neighbouring nations. Our enemies treat us as a joke. Turn us again to yourself, O God of heaven's armies. Make your face shine down upon us. Only then will we be saved. Strengthen the man you love, the son of your choice. Then we will never abandon you again. Revive us so we can call on your name once more. Turn us again to yourself, O Lord God of heaven's armies. Make your face shine down upon us. Only then will we be saved.
Come, mothers, fathers, and children. Come, motherless, fatherless, and childless, whoever you are, wherever you came from, come as part of God's family to hear his purposes for you and to praise his name. Lord, you alone know our hearts, our histories, and our hopes. You alone know our futures and our fears. Lead us on so that whatever part we may play, our story may be shaped by your story through Jesus, son of Mary, and given a name through Joseph. We praise you, eternal God, for the voices you give us, for the roles you entrust to us, for the company you surround us with, angels, shepherds, Mary and Joseph, friends and family, our communities and our brothers and sisters around the world. All creation has a share in your redeeming purposes and a place in your heart. Thank you, Lord. But forgive us too when we want to be centre stage and not in the wings when we want the leading role and not the bit part, when your voice gets drowned out by the sound of our own, when stage fright prevents us from playing our part. Forgive us and grant us humility, grace and openness to your calling, this Advent and far beyond. Gracious God, in you no one is insignificant, no one goes unnoticed, no one is turned away, no one is forgotten, no promise that you make is broken, no plan is unfulfilled. So with confidence we can lay down all that burdens us and step out boldly, confidently and forgiven. In the name of Jesus. Amen. A reading from the Gospel according to Matthew, chapter 1, beginning at verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. One of the things I've enjoyed most about preparing these weekly podcasts is choosing the music. I've found matching each week's themes to pieces of popular music from the last 50 or more years to be rewarding and I hope that you've enjoyed some, if not all, of my selections. Some of the music has been songs I've heard recently, but others have taken me back to earlier days, such as the song that I played at the beginning of the podcast. There's one song from my late teens that I feel fits particularly well to the situation in which Joseph found himself. It might need a bit of imagination to see what I mean, but have a go.
If you are of a certain age, you might remember that song called Jilted John. I was reminded of it when we were setting up our nativity set one year. It was one of the knitted ones that Muriel makes, and what happens next is no reflection on Muriel, but rather on our eyesight, because Katrina suddenly exclaimed, Oh no, I've put Mary with one of the wise men. Now, as I've suggested, there is no slight intended at the accuracy of Muriel's figures, but this was a fairly major slander against Mary's good name. The suggestion that as soon as a bloke came along who was obviously loaded, she could have been off on the back of a camel is more than a little unfair. If Mary had wanted to play fast and loose with Joseph's affections, she could have been off with Mellors, the gamekeeper, as represented by one of the shepherds who came calling first. This is not the Mary we know, and if I was preaching in a Roman Catholic church, I wouldn't have dreamt of starting the sermon in this way, because even to joke about Mary's fidelity would, I suspect, be considered blasphemous. In the early years of the church, it became an accepted doctrine that Mary remained a virgin throughout her life. The thing about this is that if you believe it, you will interpret certain scriptures in a particular way, and if you choose not to believe it, you will interpret those same scriptures in a different way. My personal view, for what it's worth, is that there is more work required to defend the position of Mary's perpetual virginity than there is to accept that after Jesus was born, she and Joseph enjoyed a normal married life, whatever that might mean. In saying what I've said so far, I have already begun to prove the point that I haven't yet got round to making, and this is that Mary gets all the attention, while poor old Joseph is an also-ran. It all begins when Mary is told that she will bear a son. First century knowledge of biology was more primitive than ours, but Mary knew enough to wonder how this might happen, as she knew what she and Joseph had and hadn't done. The angel told Mary that this would not be an ordinary pregnancy, as it would be by the Holy Spirit that Mary would conceive. Mary then got to praise God and offer this great acceptance speech as she gave her yes to God's working in and through her life. In contrast, Joseph received no angelic visit until after he found out, in a way that we are not told, that Mary was pregnant. It was only after Joseph had come up with a plan to quietly break things off with Mary that he seemed to be brought into the loop. From this point on, we hear little of Joseph. In fact, we never hear from Joseph at all. There is not one word recorded of what Joseph said. We are told that after the birth, Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. We don't ever get to hear what Joseph thought. I suspect that when he was back at his carpenter's bench in Nazareth, there was plenty of time for pondering things, but we are not privy to Joseph's thoughts. Surely not just anyone can parent the very Son of God. And Joseph was certainly a man considered by God to be fit to fulfil the role that God had in store for him. Joseph was left to consider his plan of action for an unrevealed period of time, a period that had to be full of disappointment and embarrassment. And it was only at night when Joseph slept that divine proof of Mary's story came in the form of a dream. Mary was telling the truth, the angel of the Lord explained. She will bear a child conceived by the Holy Spirit. 
Do not be afraid to take her as your wife, said the angel. She will have a son, his name will be Jesus, and he will save his people from their sins. She will bear a son, the angel said, but it won't be your son, Joseph. He will look like Mary, but he won't look like you, Joseph. He won't be your son, but he must become your son. You must father him, you must love his mother, you must protect both of them and provide for both of them. Save that child, Joseph, so that one day he can save you. And Joseph obeyed. He took Mary to be his wife. He took a pregnant Mary to be his wife. The public humiliation must have been profound. I don't know when, if ever, the public stigma disappeared. But at the time, he had more difficult troubles. Joseph, again in a dream, learned that it was Herod's design to kill the child. So Joseph, a carpenter from Nazareth, was forced to flee from a murdering king and his soldiers, and they went down to Egypt, a country not his own. Jesus would grow up and warn his people to count the cost of following him, and Joseph learned that obedience to the redemptive purposes of God is costly before Jesus was even born. I guess it's partly because I am a man but I often find myself thinking of poor Joseph in these last days of Advent. Like Mary, the burden placed on him was enormous. I came across a song called Joseph's Song that expresses some of these feelings. How can it be this baby in my arms, sleeping now so peacefully? The Son of God, the angel said, how could it be? Lord, I know he's not my own, not of my flesh, not of my bone. Still, Father, let this baby be the son of my love. Father, show me where I fit into this plan of yours. How can a man be father to the son of God? Lord, for all my life I've been a simple carpenter. How can I raise a king? How can I raise a king? He looks so small, his face and hands so fair, and when he cries the sun just seems to disappear, but when he laughs it shines again. How could it be? It's hard to imagine what it must have been like to be in Joseph's shoes. I know that some of you do know what it's like to be a parent of a child who is not biologically related to you. The experience of adoptive parents today will be very different from that of Joseph, whereas he bore the stigma of being a father to a child not his own. Most adoptive or foster parents are given credit and respect by the public. But I guess all adoptive or foster parents know what it's like to look at your son or your daughter and not see your own face staring back at you. Adoption is a theological motif in the New Testament. Adoption by God is one of the most profound benefits of the salvation that Jesus Christ has won for his followers. One might wonder whether the reason that the imagery of adoption is so prominent is because Jesus was himself, in a sense, adopted. Mary was very much his biological mother, but Joseph was not his biological father, and yet Joseph was a father to Jesus. Joseph was asked to be father to a child not his own. He would not see his own image perpetuated through his son. Joseph did not transfer his own image to Jesus, but his son would grow up to transform all who follow him into his own image. And Joseph played a part in that. 
We don't know how long Joseph lived to fulfill that role, but long enough to fulfill the purposes of God. And for that time, Joseph was faithful. When God calls men and women to be part of the story of salvation, it is a call to serve for a time. For some of the men and women of the Bible, this has generally meant a call to be part of what God was doing for a section of the dramatic events when God's purposes were unfolding in a new way. Few would see all the events unfold. For some, like those we mentioned, this meant that they had died before they knew God's plan. Perhaps we might include here John the Baptist and his doubts concerning Jesus. Others, like Simeon, died knowing that God was about to do a great thing. Simeon is also a great advertisement and a source of hope for those who carry out years of faithful, unexceptional service. The story of Simeon and that of the other elderly characters in the story tells us that it's never too late to be of use to God. Joseph's story is also about choice. Joseph had to choose what he should do. On the one hand, he could do as he had resolved, quietly divorce Mary to avoid scandal, but also to fulfil the law. But on the other hand, he had been presented by God through the agency of an angel with a new possibility. It's no more productive to wonder what would happen if Joseph had remained set on his original course of action than it is to ask what would have happened if the innkeeper in the nativity story had said, come on in, there's loads of room. But if we believe in free will, Joseph did have a choice. We sometimes hear people say, I did so and so and it changed my life and I've never regretted it since. Would that have been Joseph's experience? Would he have endured critical comments or perhaps worse, people stopping talking when he came into a room? Would there have been days when Joseph said to his mates in the carpenter's arms, next time an angel comes and talks to me, tell me to ignore him? Joseph's choice was to be obedient to God's call in the face of not only his own experience, but also what he believed to be God's law. This is a hard choice to make, but following Jesus is not about following a party line or being obedient to a set of rules or even following our own instincts. Following Jesus, being obedient to God in the world in which we live, is about following the call of God's Spirit. Being led by the Spirit can sometimes be used as an unarguable reason for doing what we want to do, but this was not so in Joseph's case, and it is up to the individual, in the company of trusted people of faith, to test that call in our days. But following Jesus is about making choices. Jesus came to bring us to a point of decision. So how do we respond to him? And therefore, how do we respond to God? We are forever faced with choices in our world. Following Jesus might involve us in making other choices. And if we want to be true to our calling to be disciples, we should involve Jesus in all parts of our lives. Is the promotion we've been offered consistent with our calling? Or should we stay where we are and so be able to devote more time to church and family? Or would taking what is offered be a new way of being able to use the talent that God has given to us? Should we look for a new job? Or do we need to work through the boredom threshold and start to use the experience we've gained to do something really good for God? 
You see, there is not one consistent piece of advice to be given when choices need to be made. If that were so, then there will be no choice to be made. We cannot avoid making choices in life, so perhaps it's a question of whether we choose for good or evil. We make our choices, and our choices have consequences. The same is true in relation to God's kingdom. We can choose to ignore the signs of God's kingdom in our world and turn our back on the good we could do. In this way, as was said by Edmund Burke, evil flourishes when good people do nothing. It all comes down to choice. We shouldn't minimise what Joseph did. He made his choice, but he may never have known what his decision would mean. But that's why it's called faith. There are no guarantees of the outcome. I don't know what are the choices that each of you have to make, but I do know that when God calls, we must listen to him and we must choose wisely. When God calls, we must say yes. We must say yes to the way of discipleship and yes to following in the footsteps of Jesus.
Let us pray. In the light of your presence and in hope of your word fulfilled, we pray in faith, offering into your light the needs and sorrows of the world. Light in our darkness, come to us, we pray, when daylight is far off, at the darkest and coldest time of the year. Come when hope is low. Whisper to us your promise that your home is among mortals. Whisper to us your promise of a world made new. Restore us, O God, let your face shine. Come into our midst, come and give us life. Light in our darkness, give us, your church, courage to challenge unjust structures, to tend and welcome all in need, and to offer what often seem limited resources of faith and love, to further the well-being and sustenance of all your children. Light in our darkness, we pray for all who work in the NHS, for GPs, paramedics, care home staff and ambulance drivers, for their constant care under pressure for the sick, the injured and the dying. Help us to give priority to the work of caring for the sick, to the daily acts of love that bring healing. Light in our darkness, we pray for all in leadership in our country at a time when so much is troubled. We pray for seriousness in addressing the multiple challenges we face, for preparedness to think beyond the vote-catching headlines, for readiness to preserve the fabric of society and to support the most vulnerable among us. Help us to remember what is truly valuable and to preserve it. Restore us, O God, let your face shine. Come into our midst, come and give us life. Light in our darkness, we pray for all who find this time of year hard, for all who are struggling with seemingly overwhelming problems. We pray for all we know who are sick in mind or body, and all who need to know the light of your healing presence today. We pray especially for families in Solihull, grieving the loss of their children, and for all families who have lost children at this time. Surround them with your loving care. Light in our darkness, we pray for hungry children struggling with the impact of poverty on their daily lives for schools who are often doing the work of feeding and clothing, and for churches, libraries and other spaces in our communities that are welcoming people in for warmth and company in freezing temperatures, in a system that sometimes seems deaf to basic needs for food, shelter and warmth, may we, your church, be responsive and generous with what we have, so that others might have their basic needs met. Restore us, O God, let your face shine, Come into our midst, come and give us life. Disperse the long shadows that surround us. Lighten our pathway. Show us the way to go and lead us onwards to the light of your coming. Restore us, O God. Let your face shine. Come into our midst. Come and give us life. Amen.
Our last song is a very well-known piece of music by one of uh, the most popular bands in the world, I guess, ABBA. And uh, it has the line in, in it about uh, changing your mind and also taking a chance on me. I wonder if that somehow fits with our story today. And indeed, perhaps the story of Christmas and the story of humanity in which God has taken a chance on us. But before that, a final prayer. May the God who knows where you come from and where you should be going, go with you. May the God who knows your hopes and dreams bless you and others through you, more than you can possibly imagine. May the God who was with Joseph and Mary in all that they have faced be known to you as Emmanuel. God with you. Amen. If you change your mind, take a chance, I'm the first in line. Honey, I'm still free. Take a chance, take a chance, take a chance on me. If you need me, let me know. Gonna be around. If you got no place to go, when you're